0: Hello, Internet, and welcome once again to the Always Online Multiplayer Gaming Podcast brought to you by MMObomb.com, your home for all things multiplayer related. I'm your host, as always, Mike Byrne, aka Magic Man, and this is episode 490, closing in on number 500. Closing in on 500. We got a lot of great stuff to talk about. There was a ton of news this week. It's still going to continue with the TGS going on, and of course, leading into Final Fantasy 14's live letter this weekend uh tark will be streaming that one live so you'll be able to catch that this weekend if you want to hang out with tark joining me to go over some of the fun news today mr troy blackburn the noob fridge himself
1: what's up boss look i just got stabbed by the doctor's office i have a boo-boo they they, they
0: stole my blood is everything okay yeah it hurts a little bit did they give you a lollipop (laughs)
1: No, I was very sad. I Uh, cried when I left.
0: I would have complained until they get, I'm not leaving until I get a lollipop. (laughs) So unless you want me sitting in this waiting room all day, find me a sucker. They were like, sir, you are one. Get out. (laughs) Right.
1: You just let us take your blood, sucker. (laughs) We don't even have
0: coats here. Like, we're not doctors. What are you doing, dude? We're just a roaming fan of vampires. Thank (laughs) you for your (laughs) donation. There he is. We got a special guest this weekend. Brian, a.k.a. Ginger Prime, or as I like to call him, the ginger one. Obviously, we've got some fun news this week that you've been pretty vocal about on Twitter. So I reached out and said, hey. You know, we're going to talk about other stuff, but this is going to be in there. Do you want to come on and and chat about it a little bit? You were gracious enough, and and your wife, who I thank uh, tremendously, was gracious enough to give us some of your time. Welcome, sir. Welcome
2: thanks thanks so much for having me it's been too long as always every time I get to sit down and hang out with you Mike it's always a good conversation uh and uh and unfortunately it's always just filled with these gaps of our lives being incredibly incredibly busy but thanks so much for reaching out man I appreciate it and hello to everybody listening I you know hopefully you guys enjoy uh today's show like sub share and and comment below all the uh all the standard stuff that helps out these yeah, in the yeah.
0: If you're listening on Audible or iTunes, Spotify, whatever, give it a like, a subscribe on YouTube, turn on the notifications, feed the algorithms. But most of all, if you like what we do here, tell a friend. It's fast, it's easy, it's cheap, it costs you nothing, and it's the best way to support us. And of course, head on over to mmobomb.com, review your favorite games in all of our game pages for your fellow gamers, because that's the site that actually pays the bills. Let's get started with the news. All right, what do we got? We got some new announcements. Now, obviously, a lot happened this week, as I mentioned, but we can't cover it all in an hour long podcast. So go to MMO Bomb. There's new news on Throne and Liberty, their producer's letter talking about all kinds of bosses, uh, some great looking screenshots, even if you're kind of like up in the air and a little dicey on that game and what they're going to do with certain things that we've reported on the combat and all that fun stuff definitely worth checking out the producer's letter to see some really cool boss stuff. We've got a ton of other things as well. So I've picked a few here, but I encourage you to hit up the site because there's just a lot more going on this week. First up, there's going to be a Division 3 Troy.
1: Yay! This is an hey. official announcement that Division 3 is coming. How about that?
0: Yeah, I mean it kind of felt like, you know, you and I were fans of Division 1 even through its flaws and Division 2 through its flaws again. Uh, those are both games that I think both of us have talked about before, and we're like, we love these games eight months after they come out. Like, <laughs> these, <Yeah. laughs> these are great games six to eight months outside of launch. So hopefully we won't see that with the Division Three. And we kind of had to like we've got the Division Heartland and like all these different spin-offs and mobile stuff that we've known about for a year or so now. We're getting trailers and little bits and bobs, uh, but we'd never heard anything about Division three. And we kind of knew, OK, are they just going to go do offshoot stuff? Is this mainline done? Because Division two, while it has a respectable player base, it is f- on the downturn. You know, it is you know. getting a bit long in the tooth. It is now confirmed, but it was confirmed in a really weird way. Like Ubisoft did not pump a press out, a presser out there and say, hey, Division Three is a thing. Here's some basic details of stuff we're gonna add and blah, blah, blah. No, it was just a
2: tweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's coming. We we, we all thought you felt, <laughs> knew that this day would finally come. So here you go. That's weird that it is a, a tweet, no uh, trailer that was like, you know, hyped up events. Yeah. And so, but I'm happy to see it. I'm happy the fact that that's, you know, it's going. And the thing the thing with it too is was it
0: wasn't even a tweet announcing Division 3 per se. If you go that's to what the, I was going to say yeah. what even really about the Division 3. If you go to the tweet from uh, Massive Entertainment, uh like obviously a subsidiary of Ubisoft, it, and you click on the news article in the tweet, it actually takes you to a news article of what they were announcing with the tweet that Division 3 just happened to be mentioned. Julian Garrity has been appointed executive producer for the Tom Clancy's The Division brand. Julian will oversee all games and products, including Tom Clancy's The Division 3, led by Massive Entertainment, who is actively building a team for the game. And then the news article is about Garrity and his experience and what they think he brings to the team and all that usual stuff. And Brian, if you think that name sounds familiar... It probably will be because this is the person heading up Star Wars Outlaws for Ubisoft. Kind of a weird. Oh, hey, by the way, I'm also going to run the Division Three.
2: Run it both. Like that's a lot on anybody's plate. And how how close is Outlaws? We don't. uh, I don't think we have the date yet, do we? Because, like, I mean, I guess, like, if he's a high level, I'm. You know, obviously, one person doesn't do all the work, but yeah, we 2024 still. (laughs) where you know we're talking Yoshi P running 16 and 14 you know in that producer role like it can be done but who I, I i guess nobody else or maybe it's a transitional period what do you think well he says
0: uh or from ubisoft they say Julian by the way Julian remains fully committed to making Star Wars Outlaws a success for both the development team and fans he will remain on the project through launch to ensure the game meets the intended creative vision and provides a great experience for players. So he'll still be heading up both and then mm-hmm. probably the way this is worded Troy transitioning fully off of Outlaws once it actually reaches its gone gold printed and shipped status. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like maybe there's a little bit of overlap but like the division stuff is really just kind of in its infancy and doesn't really need that whole executive producer hands-on day-to-day thing go ahead finish outlaws then you're gonna move to this by the way you're in charge of the brand
1: yeah right. it definitely comes across as the this is your next full-time gig uh you know you're gonna you're gonna oversee it for now and sort of be in charge as the executive producer but mm-hmm. you know once Star wars outlaws is done it sounds like he's moving on to the division for sure
2: yeah and, and this could also be just kind of a a good kind of way of promoting him and him like saying hey I've I, you've seen my work and i want this you know maybe the division ends up being a bigger uh you know a bigger lift you know a bigger uh, payday for him if that's uh, any of those things be true Uh, congrats to him and yeah at the end of the day though you know it's going to come down to how does the game launch how is it received uh and i think uh, and i'd love to see star wars have a really incredible you know uh you know game in outlaws i think a lot of people would uh, really you know be excited by that so i wish him i wish him all the best i don't envy him because it sounds like he's got a lot on his plate.
0: Stojan and Chad saying, I just bought Division 1 for a dollar on Xbox, so you'd buy yeah. that for a dollar. Um, <laughs> That's a RoboCop reference for you young kids. Look at
1: them RoboCop references. Dim
0: RoboCop references. I can't wait. Uh, I will say that when I was proofreading the article and adding some links to it and stuff to get it out there, I was like, oh shit, Division Heartland is still a thing. We're like, "When? when's the last time we wrote about that? And then I went and looked to see if there was new news, and I'm like... Yeah, there is like nothing on any of these deficient projects going on right now. Ubisoft has a lot cooking. They're also under fire this week for trying to force Montreal studio employees back into the building. Total separate point. Check out the article on mmobomb.com. A lot of people feeling like Ubisoft breaking promises. I don't know why you're surprised. I I honestly don't. (laughs) It's Ubisoft. It's Ubisoft. In other big new announcements. Now, we should preface this, Brian, with pour tons of salt on this shit. Like, tons of it. A new EverQuest MMORPG title that for, I guess, this conversation will make it easy on ourselves and just refer to it as potentially EverQuest 3. Yeah. Has been announced... Question mark. Enad Global in their conference reporting showed a splash screen talking about H1Z1, Mech Warrior, some future plans for both titles, some potential funding, timing, and what stage those projects are in. Also on that slide was EverQuest, referred to as a live service MMORPG. Starting some type of work right now. It's in kind of like the ideation phase. Starting work in 2025 with a very ambitious completion date of 2028. If they're wow. just starting in 2025, I have to believe Brian. There's probably some stuff going on behind the scenes already we don't know about.
2: I mean, we we know that EverQuest three, you know, next and you know was was announced and they showcased off of a lot from that an original announcement that was a big announcement I remember watching the whole thing and I never got I never uh, took time to play EverQuest one and two but when I saw that I was like oh I'm this is absolutely something I'm going to check out as a fan of the MMO and then nothing ever came out of it and it would be interesting to see if they were able to kind of salvage any of that stuff and then bring that into this new project uh you know to see if they can actually make something in that in that IP which it feels weird that from, you know, the genre as itself, as it's seeing a new resurgence, as we're seeing lots of new games step in and that, you know, with that label MMO, that EverQuest isn't among them based off of just how impactful it was to the uh, genre back in the day. In the presentation, Troy, very interesting that
0: uh, when, um, oh, what's his name? I'm sorry, I'm missing his name. uh, Hamm, uh CEO of ENA Global. When he presented this portion, he said, EverQuest, our most important IP. We said that that probably was the case when Enid Global bought Daybreak all those years ago. They picked up EQ1, EQ2, whatever was left of EQ Landmark, whatever was left of EQ Next. And we thought, like they're gonna do something with this. What it'll be, like, we want it to be an EQ3, but we're probably gonna get some shitty card game based in Norath. Or like, they're they're gonna do something with the IP, and then they just didn't. And a year and a half or so ago, we had some job postings we reported on that seemed to indicate something was going on with EverQuest, in addition to a Marvel MMORPG, which fell apart and was later canceled. But they're referring it to it as their most important IP. I got to agree with them, right? Like it is the one that even if the game was terrible, but nobody knew it, it would have a million plus players on day one, checking it out to see if it was good or terrible, right? Like just the name, even for people who never played the originals
1: is still a draw, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely a draw. I would, I would argue that maybe Warrior is maybe more mainstream, which was also on that slide with EverQuest uh uh projects they, they want to work on. Uh but EverQuest would absolutely especially in this day and age where we're we're so hungry for new MMOs and AAA MMOs and and quality stuff and and I would argue maybe some some nostalgia mixed with some, some of the new technology that's available since EverQuest and EverQuest 2 came out. Because let's, let's face it, there's a lot of new technology and systems and things like that that are available in MMOs nowadays than when those games first came out. This
0: is a scary one, though, right? If you think about it, like this is if you're going to do this, go EverQuest, go MMORPG. Those are two things we know from their slide are sure, whether it's a direct sequel or anything. We don't know that. We don't know visuals. We don't know monetization, anything. This is this has got to be like a one and done, right? Like if you don't do it right, EverQuest is just dead at that point.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like if it comes out and it's a terrible monetization model, it's a boring game, insert, all the things that can go wrong with a live service launch, Brian, if you don't do it right, we never see an EverQuest again, I don't think.
2: Yeah. And that's the fact because it's an established IP and people would expect that they would have their, you know, their act in line as opposed to like where you would see a new IP come out and, you know, kind of struggle out the gate uh, because that's just how gamers are. Right. So your your first attempt, we we can we can be a little bit more forgiving, but then you've you've done it three times. Why is this one uh, struggling? And that's who dead IP, though, I guess. Maybe in terms of that for that genre, but if they ever wanted to take that as a brand name and, and spin it off, that's else, like yeah, that's game. fair. I'm I'm referencing it as a live service MMO at that point. Yeah, yeah. At, at, that, at that point, like because here's here's the challenge that you also have with EverQuest is that you have people who have nostalgia for that for its sandbox roots. We know that sandbox our are MMORPGs aren't the most popular in terms of just player numbers, and we know that people. Really dive into the player numbers to determine if they want to then play that game, and so people might see a lower player population count and and write it off, even if it is a perfectly uh, decent game. And so we're my hope for the future is that we see the, the hybrid theme park and sandbox, like a sand park MMO that that takes the best of both and brings them together. And if they could do something like that, then I think they could really hit on all cylinders. The problems that we've seen in the lacking is that. Either you go to uh, to Theme Park or you go to Sandbox. And if it's just too different enough, uh, people, uh, you know, get frustrated. And then if you run into bugs and connection I- issues, people are just going to go, why am I bothering wasting my time when I can go and play a stable? And then, you know, uh, I, at least I know what I'm getting when I go to this restaurant as opposed to this restaurant that's just clearly not ready for prime time.
0: Yeah, and then you also have the fact that even though this would be Ina Global's first foray into an EverQuest MMO the larger news becomes if it, you know, failed or was just poorly received, right? You'd be like, no, or or canceled, right? Never came out. That's good. That's never another concern out. right now. Now that the thought of it being out in the wild is there and Enid Global was the one that put it there, not press with rumor or speculation based on job posts, Troy. If this never sees the light of day, I think that's almost still as damaging because it's, yeah, who cares that Ina Global took one shot and decided to cancel it? When you think EverQuest, you think Landmark, gone, next, never made it out. Now EQ3, or whatever they're going to call it, never made it out or was received poorly. It's It compounds the failure. And I saw you shaking your head when Brian was talking, Troy. I know you love sandparks, or yes. sand, sandbox MMOs. That is your forte. But as Brian was talking about, look, this is, Play it safe. Go the hybrid. Go a nice mix of both. Even you, a sandbox fanboy, were like, "Yeah, that's the way to go."
1: <laughs> yeah, that's definitely the way to go, especially for the EverQuest franchise. You can't abandon your roots uh, too often. Much. It's it would be brutal if they abandon the sand, any
2: sandpark stuff because you know sandbox stuff. hundred percent. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> Do you want to see this box with a
0: sub, a free to play, like your ideal world, Troy? An EQ3 comes out six months from now. What model do you want that game having?
1: I like buy to play right now. I think I think buy to play is a good spot for uh, for a lot of games. Uh, you buy that initial box price, no monthly sub. Uh, they're going to put a cash up in there regardless whether it has a sub or not. So 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 for me, buy to play is is pretty much the premium example of uh, what I enjoy.
0: Is weird. The premium example is what we all grew up on. You buy the game, you play the game. <laughs> like, yep. And now we're Imagine like, that. could you please just sell me? I want to buy your product. I want to buy your product. I'd love to sell it to you. That's just not how it works. <laughs> That's just not yep. how it works. Will... submodel
2: doesn't make uh, fi- foundational sense in a world of Game Pass and PS Now, and you know, and you know, all the various different services. Like we've been hyper subscriptioned out to the point where when you say hey what do i get for my subscription you get to play one game and then you're like oh for that same price i can go play a thousand games have access to and some of those games happen to also be mmos and so for the next generation of gamers out there adding in that subscription to play the game uh, is a it's becoming a bigger and bigger barrier especially yeah. like you know right now economically where a lot of people could be struggling Uh, Just to, you know, make the rent or do, you know, various just normal things.
0: Yeah, setting aside even like economic conditions, you look at it and you go, in a post-Game Pass world, a sub makes less and less sense. By the way, we're not going to be talking too much about it on today's show, but we did put up an article on MMO Bomb. The CMA in UK has conditionally approved the Microsoft purchase of Activision Blizzard with their new proposal to ship off all the cloud stuff to Ubisoft and then have the licensing deals fly from Ubisoft, even a licensing deal back to Microsoft for its own damn games to publish them via cloud. The CMA kind of did slap them a little bit. They said, hey, this was, you know, a better solution. This should have been presented as a potential solution when you submitted. They did have a few additional concerns that Microsoft seems to have addressed but there is still an open. Hey, if you have questions or concerns, you have till October sixth to say something. It looks like the biggest stumbling block in that whole debacle is over. So we're going to see that merger complete, I would imagine. And Troy, you and I said there, there's no way this doesn't complete. It's it doesn't reach monopoly status. The you'd, you'd have to have real strong justifications for stopping it, and it just didn't look like anybody had them. Um. finally on the new announcements front we've got some Soul Frame information not a lot here but I thought it was worth mentioning I know a lot of us are looking forward to Soulframe the MMO coming out of Digital Extremes the company behind Warframe with their mysterious site and some different footage we've shown not a lot here but worth noting Troy they said hey if you are cool with Warframe and the way we do content delivery and things like that Soulframe's gonna follow the same formula. I think that makes a lot of people happy.
1: Yeah, it should make a lot of people happy. Warframe's considered one of the better models out there. Um, You've you've got the cash shop, you've got long grinds to get some things in game, but you can still get them in game. You you gotta wait to craft your suits and stuff like that, but you can still just craft them in the game. You don't have to buy them in the cash shop. And then you got large content updates that just come out for free constantly. Uh, Large open world content updates that come out for free uh, quite often. So, you know, if you're happy with Warframe, there's no, there's, they, according to them, there shouldn't be a lot of reason for you to not be happy with the way Soulframe does things.
0: Yeah, Chief Creative Officer Steve Sinclair saying uh, in an interview with Play Magazine, first reported by MP1st, that yes, I think gamers can be rightfully exhausted by some of the different business models out there, but I'm hoping we can continue Warframe's reputation as being uh, when something cool comes out. There's generally a positive reaction of, hey, I can't believe I'm getting this for free. Okay, I'm going to buy something because I like these devs or there's a wicked ass cosmetic and I can live without it. There are just no barriers. This was fantastic news. However, you do have to kind of go, I think you burnt a little goodwill with the way Wayfinder Early Access came out, Brian. (laughs) (laughs) So let's let's ease back and just watch for a bit. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I think that's always a good call, especially with games as a service. I think if uh, if you are somebody who's notoriously uh, day in day zero with any launch of a games as a service game, and notoriously frustrated and mad by that experience, uh, like my best advice is to give it some time and then step in. People were asking me like, "Hey, you're gonna play it at launch?" and I was like, "I, I plan on trying to play." and then i was like oh this is i'll just wait and so i played halo with some friends and we've been enjoying the new halo season but i was like and they're like oh what are you gonna play i was like well i i, I put myself in queue it won't let me uh through the queue yet I, i'll play when they're ready for me to play i'm i'm thankfully I, I guess i wasn't like i gotta be there day and date and i think that's a good that's actually a really healthy thing for me because uh, even as a content creator i'm like ill the content i make around the game will get done when it gets done I'm not gonna be your first source of it. And yes, I miss out on that, but that's okay. Like I'm gonna play in a, I try to play games in a very healthy balanced way, you know? Yeah. So I, but it is like, so if anybody is with Soulframe, it's like, it's there's nothing wrong with me about being hyped and excited. And I wanna hope that they have a, an incredible launch, but we also know Warframe did not. The yeah. devs continue to put in the work. And so I feel like they've earned a good reputation. And so with Wayfinder and with Soulframe, I'm not worried about the future of those games because i think the devs have in my mind have really shown me their quality and it doesn't mean that their first you know foray is going is going to be smooth but then i'm again i'm not going in expecting that experience as a veteran games as a service mmo player
0: yeah and that's something that i've said here too i was like you know we uh, we often Troy, when Wayfinder launched and you and I were giving it a little flack for the way it's early access launched and throwing a little flack at uh, Digital Extremes, even though they're not the developer, they're the publisher. So generally would be more responsible for servers than Airship Syndicate would have been as the primary developer. I said, you know, people look at Warframe and go, the people that did Warframe had this issue. And it was like, we look back with rose colored glasses on Warframe because of what it is today. Ten years ago, Warframe had a horrid launch. It was really, really bad. (laughs) It got better, and so hopefully it will for Wayfinder 2. More news on Wayfinder on mmobomb.com. Tokyo Game Show, they revealed Grendel, the first non-human playable character to be added to the game, coming soon, and you can see little previews of that. All right, gents. Here we go. The
2: hmm section.
0: (laughs) in the show notes it just says hmm (laughs) all right so uh brian i'm gonna go to you first after i set this up because uh i'm not generally or i'm not fully versed on your stance like we follow each other we're friends we've known each other for a long time i've been able to catch bits and pieces of you tweeting and talking to people putting a video up here and there on stuff so before we like dive into this portion, I do want to kind of let you encapsulate your overall view so that I don't misrepresent it having seen three tweets, but not those two, that, that type deal. Yeah, thank you. So it came out through leaked content, uh, not on behalf of the FTC, by the way. It was actually Xbox that accidentally leaked these emails and materials um, that Microsoft would like to buy Nintendo or at least did want to buy it just a few years ago. Uh, and in some emails, they said, hey, we're not interested in like a hostile action. Nintendo would be a good get. They've been buying stock in Nintendo for a while. A lot of companies do that. That's not odd, but they have been you know, buying more and more and more, but again, are not interested in a hot hostile action, but that Microsoft would more like to just play the long game. And... This did not come as a surprise to me, but apparently it was a surprise to a lot of people that Microsoft would talk behind the scenes with its employees about buying a competitor. One, if you own a large scale company and you aren't talking about buying any of your competitors behind the scenes, you're not running your business right. You may not actually move on that, but there are always discussions you should be having. Can we buy Sony? Could we just buy them out? No, not gonna work, pros, cons that's part of running a business correct and two we actually had reports in 2021 that microsoft approached nintendo at one point about this now it was and they got laughed out of the room nintendo politely or maybe not so politely laughed and sent them out of the room so none of this was a surprise to me but apparently was a surprise to many people that's fine now these emails show they did have those discussions The internet kind of started going crazy about, would this be good for gaming? Would this be good for consumers? Would this be bad for gaming? Bad for consumers? Good for Nintendo? Bad for Microsoft? Good for Sony? You know, and there was a lot of rallying to fan uh, bases, which not a fan of. We'll talk about that in a second. Brian, I'm going to give you the opportunity here to kind of encapsulate your view on... Whether the, something like this, a Microsoft purchase of Nintendo specifically, mm. would be good for gaming, good for business, good for consumers. Where do you stand on the entire shebang? And then Troy will come to you for your take on it.
2: All right. So I'm going to, if you give me a couple of minutes in this case, because there is a lot of context that I feel like hopefully we'll set it up. Go so that for people- it. Where I'm coming from. Also, for people who are surprised by this, those are clearly non-ginger prime subscribers because I've been talking about yeah, this for years. We, I've looked into just the market cap stuff. My dad is really into that. So we, we sit down and talk theoretical, you know, thought experiments on the just the industry. Cause it's just fun for us to talk about the stuff we nerd out. He knows the finances side, he doesn't understand the games. I understand the games. I don't understand what he's talking about, but it's still hanging out with my dad, and I think that's a that's a win. My uh my fundamental. Like, I guess if you're going to talk about a core belief when it comes to video games is I believe video games everywhere is a good philosophy for games. That's not to say that I am sitting here saying that everybody should just, you know, buy it and we should just get to this, you know, monopoly of one company controlling games. I think that would be horribly, horribly wrong. However... Out of what we will say is the big three, but we're, dis, we're we're discounting Amazon to our peril. We're discounting Tencent to our peril when we just use that that phrase. But when we look at the the well, classic-
0: I, I to be fair to that phrase though, I have at least personally, I have always generally associated that phrase, the big three, to mm-hmm. be more of the console companies, not gaming companies in general. I would <laughs> absolutely agree with you that 10 cent, I mean 10 cent is. Free massive they're massive and Amazon although maybe not a big player publicly yet besides New World and some failures before that And the publishing of Lost Ark, they're going to pick up Blue Protocol publishing. They're going to be the ones picking up Throne and Liberty publishing. How those games do, that has yet to be seen. We'll know that soon. But they are obviously not shy dumping dollars down this hole, including some of their other stuff that they have planned that we've heard rumors about regarding cloud gaming and, and other things. So, yeah, I've always heard, like, I've always interpreted the big three as not gaming companies, but the console manufacturers. But maybe that's me.
2: No that, that that isn't you but I'm just I'm saying that when we talk about it because it's a, that's an important distinction and an ideally hopefully we'll uh, you know, state this clearly, it, it becomes a challenge because there's nostalgia that's baked into a lot of people. Y'all should know I'm a diehard Nintendo fanboy. And I'm the guy who's mad at Nintendo because of their like D, uh, DMC, uh, because of, uh, you know, like, you know, their digital rights, you know, uh, systems. I'm also frustrated by them from their hardware perspective. But I'm the guy who also spends every waking, you know, like, they are the first purchase whenever they release a new piece of hardware that i'm I'm in line. and uh, and so I'm my own worst enemy in that that aspect. but they they're a company that's absolutely flush and rich with it. So, When I look at the industry as it exists right now, people talk about, uh, you know, monopolies, right? And the way I view games is I view IPs as actually monopolies. There is no Xbox equivalent of Mario. There's no Sony equivalent of Mario. You could say that there's other games that you enjoy playing and because there's other games that those in fact compete, but I look at social media and video games in a special kind of category because they have a special kind of connection with us as humans. And you can see that in how people talk about it, how they defend it, how you even just look at the console wars themselves. But what we're also seeing at that same time, right now in the handheld market, because of games in more places, because of, and again, I don't like that Microsoft isn't publishing Bethesda games on Sony. I fault them for that. But my view and the hope here, and these are all if statements as a thought experiment, is that at some point then they can go to sony and they can start to negotiate because sony has no uh has no uh incentive to start publishing more games on pc and on xbox they can play their game and it's their rights to do so but as a consumer and as somebody with an opinion on it what we're seeing is an explosion in the handheld market because there are more games where before the handheld market has been primarily dominated by nintendo based off of their ip it is a is a requirement to play a nintendo game to own a piece of nintendo hardware Outside of Nintendo, though, we're seeing Microsoft bring games day and date. We're, we're seeing Sony to start to make and, and start to signal that, and I want to champion that. So whether it was a acquisition from Microsoft or an acquisition from Sony, or just the threat of an acquisition that gets people talking and asking the question, why can't I play Nintendo games? Where I play games, I'm still supporting Nintendo because what we have happened, and what I do not uh, support is piracy. Now there it gets a legal kind of gray around. If you own the game, then you can emulate it, and I'm I actually agree. I'm like, yeah, if Nintendo isn't going to give me the option to give them money for where I am, then. I'll buy the game and I'll emulate it so I can run Zelda tears of the kingdom at 60 frames per second. So I can have a experience that I choose to go and have that premium experience. So, yeah, I mean,
0: something that I've talked about openly on this show and and other shows with with you, Troy, about people, people I know, um, buying switch games and, you know, maybe getting them to play through some means on their steam deck. Yeah, you know, friends, you know, good,
1: friends, good of, friends, f- good friends good of friends. mine <laughs> that
0: I may know that 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 do that. But isn't so? Isn't that a different discussion, though? That seems to me not about a discussion on is Nintendo buying or Microsoft buying Nintendo a uh, good or a bad, a net good or a net bad. Isn't that just a more a different discussion on the availability of games on platforms? Something that on this point, at minimum. I think you, all three of us will agree, but particularly Brian, you and I would agree that we're proponents of, I would love for you to be able to play Mario Wonder on Steam. I would love for you to be able to play Mario Wonder on Xbox. Uh, I would love all of those things. Uh, You can't right now, but I am huge and in favor of, yeah, I don't don't want you to have to buy a Switch to play a Mario game. I want you to buy a Mario game and play it anywhere. But that's kind of a separate pro see, or think,
2: con versus right. buying the actual company right right and so then i from that you know from that base and that viewpoint of the, and the fact is like if all of a sudden nintendo games started showing up on pc right nintendo's own free will they're like we're going to start putting our games on pc you'd hey see their stock just go through the roof because that's just going to open up their games to it, way more sales and a lot longer li- uh, longevity but what you also see is more handheld innovation and that's the thing where i look at That and why I classify the IPs as a monopoly is that it wasn't until games started being put in more places that all of a sudden people are like, oh, we can actually release a handheld. We can release it at $700 and it can have these features. Oh, we're going to release this $300 handheld and we're going to have cloud streaming. It ends up opening up that level of innovation for third parties to start stepping in as opposed to like if you were going to try to release a handheld you are going to get crushed by Nintendo no matter what uh you know like and that's what we've seen happen time and time again and so therefore when I look at the rip acquisition PS Vita out, PSP rip and, and how much how strong how much stronger would a PS, v, you know Vita P, PSP be a, Today, if all of a sudden it's like, yeah, you can play your PlayStation games, you can play your Steam games, or however you want to play whatever you want a game, we're 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 going to stop being the gatekeeper here. Now, um, back to the Microsoft acquisition in this case, I wasn't surprised by any of this. I've been following this. We've been speculating yeah. on this for a little while. Same thing with other Japanese studios. Microsoft needs Japan. Japan doesn't need Microsoft. And and so they, uh, you know, they have to figure out how do you start to bridge that gap would I be upset if Microsoft bought Nintendo? Not at all. Would I be upset if Sony bought Nintendo? Maybe, and that is only because we haven't seen Sony make that same level of commitment. However, that does not then divorce the idea that, am I concerned with Microsoft buying Nintendo from a games and an access? Because again, if these are all IPs, they're creating, in my mind, multiple different monopolies. And if they ever decided to pull back that that view, that vision, which they could leadership changes, right? Phil Spencer's is human. Uh, you know, Satya is human. At some point, somebody could come in and want to completely structure that company differently. It'd be weird because they've taken Microsoft into the trillions based off of this everywhere approach. But the, uh, that being said, it's like, yeah, there are uh, concerns. So the joy in all of this is as a thought experiment, because it isn't, microsoft isn't buying nintendo that we're aware of it comes down to this discussion is something that gamers need to be talking about and i'm perfectly fine having the position that if microsoft is decided buy to nintendo my life is not over you know like i am okay cool but then but is that a good thing for gamers if microsoft bought nintendo
0: uh, is that good for gamers
2: if they then like and the, the if is the key aspect if they then continue and bring then Nintendo games to PC, uh, then yes, that's good for gamers because the people actually get more access to it, not less access to it. If you start saying, hey, you're gonna start having less access, which their uh, view of uh, Starfield, I can understand because right now, Sony doesn't wanna come to the table, but I believe that would bring Sony to the table and discuss and sit down and say, and it's not that I think that these games all need to happen day and date, I believe that it, you know from a development perspective speaking professionally it is much easier to release for one platform than multiple but i would be perfectly fine with a timed exclusivity aspect where hey god of war is going to be on sony for the you know for one year uh, and then we're going to push it out to microsoft and they're going to make money because people are going to buy those games and then where you're going to see happen is you're going to see the breakdown of these silly and dumb console wars and anything that gets and there'll still be people who are like my box my box is better than your box yada 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 but it just becomes more about building communities around games rather than building communities around devices and that is what i view as an ultimate good but that is obviously predicated off an if statement that because microsoft if they decided no we're just going to publish this on our xbox console then that in and of itself would be a great evil and I would absolutely oppose that. But based off of what we've seen with Microsoft right now as a track record, they're putting more games and having it more accessible than has ever been done in history or any other company. But that's just my uh, that's my take. Hopefully that makes some Yeah, some I, sense. I do
0: have a few questions, but I want Troy to chime in on his, his opinion here. here.
1: Uh, I think that it would be a good thing for consumers because I think that it would spread Nintendo games to more platforms. uh uh, now looking at the activision blizzard acquisition uh, i would love to see sony in panic mode if microsoft say were to be acquiring nintendo based on how they act with activision blizzard can you imagine that like tenfold if number two and number three are are coming together all of a sudden and then they're coming for that booty uh playstation so you know it would be interesting to watch that part play out for sure But at the end of the day, I I think, you know, topics of monopolies aside, because Sony would still exist, you know, and they're still number one, that that for to see Nintendo games, I would love, uh, I'm with some of the folks in chat, man, I would love to play like actual Mario Kart on the PC on Steam instead of having to wait for, you know, good kart games to come out and something that rivals that. I would love to play, you know, Breath of the Wild on Steam. That would be a fantastic experience. Uh, to be able to play it on PC and get that type of performance out of it and get that experience of playing it on my PC instead of having to own a a Nintendo console, which uh, obviously at this point I'm just not going to do because I haven't done it up till now. (sighs) Okay, so (laughs) ideal Christmas
0: land, I get it. Like, I get it. I want all these games available on everything too. I'm in a very blessed position where the console wars or the PC versus console, like I'm in a blessed position where none of that matters to me. I own all of these and I own all of them on day one. That's a very, very fortunate position for, for somebody to be in. And I recognize that. So I don't have a a dog in the race of PlayStation versus Xbox versus Nintendo versus PC. I just play them anywhere. Uh, But I can appreciate somebody being in a position like I was growing up and in my early adulthood where it was, I can get one. Which one am I going to get? And at different times, I was more a Sony player than a Microsoft player. Then, you know, the next uh, Xbox 360 came out, and that was the generation that I was an Xbox player more than a Sony player. So I kind of go where my games go rather than, hey, I'm a Sony baby or I'm a Microsoft baby or I'm a Nintendo baby, and that's the product I'm going to buy first. I've never really had that brand loyalty to the console. Since my teenage years with, you know, uh, the original NES and Super Nintendo. Ideal Christmas land-wise, I get it. Like, that's great. Have all these companies condensed to one company and then every game is available everywhere. Cool. But I don't know if I buy into the idea that potentially Microsoft buying Nintendo or another big purchase amongst these top five dogs. uh, I don't know if that's good for a game. These companies aren't your friend. First off, right. good point. they just aren't. They aren't. When a company bigger than your local board game store does anything good for consumers, it's because it's expected to return a bigger bottom line, not because they specifically wanted to do something nice and good for consumers. There's a business point where you become such a big business that you really don't worry about losing customers anymore. You just worry about how to pick up the next one. Right? How do uh, customer acquisition costs are fun? Um, they're not your friends, and I also feel like there is the creativity bubble that you need to talk about here. Right? A lot of these are companies that are publicly traded, that have fiduciary responsibilities to shareholders to do everything they can to maximize and increase profits, not help you play Mario on your PC. Will mm-hmm. it lead to more money? Cool, we'll do it. Will it not? Fine. Now, you've said, hey, if Microsoft continues on this trend that they have, which uh, while I'm in favor of them making things generally more available, I don't know if that's exclusively their trend as we've seen with Zenimax and Bethesda stuff lately. You know, mm-hmm. saying, hey, it's available on the Xbox and the PC day one, that's two different places to play it. Well, generally, most Microsoft products are going to be available on PC. So that's not really surprising to me. It's not like they opened up a new area of business for them. Cloud, but yes. Well, well cloud is, yeah, yeah, That that's fair. Uh, that's fair. And they've got some stiff competition in that area before they're going to be
2: uh, far and away favorite. Starfield, you know, ultra wide, because I can run Starfield at over 120 frames a second in my ultra wide through GeForce now, like, it is such a beautiful experience that I, like you said, I'm coming from a place of blessing here. I have access. My wife is like, here's the budget line item for you to go get whatever video game, you know, or video system that you, that you want. But that's not the reality for everybody. And I and I recognize that because I know that was my reality in the past. But- yeah. Stepping away anyway. from games, though.
0: Yeah. If Microsoft bought Nintendo, where is the creative impetus for the next Switch? The next whatever, uh, console from Nintendo. There is no creative impetus there anymore, right? They, Nintendo effectively becomes a software company Mm -hmm. because why on earth would Microsoft owning Nintendo fund Nintendo making hardware that would compete with its own damn hardware Unless they specifically targeted some type of demographic, super ultra handheld does this XYZ that they had no intention of going into with Xbox or an Xbox product. Doesn't that by itself start to condense the gaming industry and become a net bad? Now there is no reason for Microsoft to enhance and improve and iterate on their Xboxes because now they only have one console competitor that they really have to worry about when it comes to hardware not two potentially three if you consider steam and steam deck a viable entry in in a console war right now it's of course not
2: if we if we look at the current handhelds though and the fact that we have a steam deck the fact that we have the the uh the rogue the fact that we have the google g cloud uh the logitech uh, you know, like we're actually seeing more innovation and more people trying different things as opposed to to less. And that is only because that you now have access to more games where before trying to launch a handheld as a platform, as opposed to as of something that is just additive to your gaming, uh, that ends up becoming more of a barrier. So if Microsoft were to like and honestly, I, 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 it would be weird for me to see them say, we're gonna just shut her down. This the switch. We're gonna shut her down. You know the handheld that uh, that they have. That I, I think that would actually be them shooting themselves in the foot. Because Why wouldn't that- they? Why wouldn't they? Looking because- at the switch from the techn- technology
0: that's baked into a switch, it is yeah. from every conceivable metric as far as its performance, it is a subpar performing handheld compared to things like the Xbox, the Steam Deck, the uh, Rogue Ally. it is it, So if Microsoft wants to get into that space, they can get into that space now without buying Nintendo and make their own handheld to compete with the Steam Deck, com- to compete with the Rogue Ally, to, to enhance cloud gaming in different ways. They can do that already. Maybe yeah, Switch they- has a few sure. patents that they'd like to get a hold of, motion controls, really? things like that, of course. Yeah. But they don't need Nintendo for that. And I don't believe in a world where Microsoft buys Nintendo, Troy, that Microsoft all of a sudden tasks Nintendo with, we really like what you do in the handheld space, but we want you to amp it up. I feel like that's something that Microsoft just says, we think we can do that better anyway. We just bought you because we didn't want the Switch on the market competing with it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because com- you know, competition breeds innovation. And you know, would we have the would we have the switch now in, in the form that's in, despite the fact you know, hardware wise, it's always a generation behind. Yeah. Uh, even when they were doing full <laughs> consoles, their hardware was always a generation behind everybody else. Um, but by seeing that going forward, you know, would, would would we see Nintendo where they are now with the handheld device, using their third-party games like that? if if microsoft had purchased them at some point you know before that came out and i have to believe the answer would probably be no
2: see if i was in charge obviously in this hypothetical you know thought experiment i would just let. oh see
0: now he's owns the damn companies in this hypothetical
2: experiment you you just keep giving yourself (laughs) promotions (laughs) i don't have the money but you can go buy nintendo like nothing is uh extreme opulence opulence and wealth the um no, but what it what it would be in this case, and and by the way, the number would be fifty one billion if Nintendo yeah. wasn't was like F for it, and if it would be more like, it would be a little bit more than the the Activision deal, um, and Activision plus a Bethesda if it was a hostile takeover. So that's that's the numbers uh, that Nintendo is based off the market cap. But the um, I'm sure that Microsoft would easily overpay because as soon as that bidding war opens, because you speak of the fiduciary responsibility, you then have Amazon and you then have Tencent oh, coming yeah. in. Yeah, they're they're gonna put offers out there. Like if this isn't, you know, this isn't one company acquisition. This is this would be a big, big gaming, uh, you know, a bloodbath in that in that case. But um, I I don't see that innovation would die. Now I don't want innovation to die. I would just let Nintendo be Nintendo, just like Microsoft is letting Bethesda be Bethesda, and that didn't work out so well for them for Redfall. Everybody was calling them to be more in charge of it, and it's like let just let Microsoft just be the purse. You know, and that's essentially how, you know, and that's how I would do it. Now, is that going to be how it is? No idea. You know, and like you said, like in the, in the Christmas time, you know, fairy book story, like games are everywhere. You can, you know, you can play on your hardware, but I do see innovation in the fact that if a a company can start making money, like same thing with the consoles, imagine if there was a third party uh, console maker out there that says, you know what? Like the Xbox series X and the PlayStation really isn't cutting it. I'm going to release a thousand dollar console. And if anybody wanted that, it plays your Xbox games. It plays your PlayStation games. That all of a sudden becomes a viable product that does not exist today because mm. they can't launch that today because they have that again, like I believe the IP is, is the be all end all. It's not the piece of plastic that it runs on. and uh, And, and that's just my, my perspective on it. But if innovation died, then yes, that I would be wrong. And I would own that. I'd be like, Oh my gosh, like, because one of the best things about Nintendo, the reason we want Nintendo to continue to exist, is they're the only ones who actually ch- like, hey, let's just do it. It's fun. It doesn't. They're not. They're not always yeah. so.
0: Like we, we don't this. have the Wii. Unless Nintendo says, hey, we're going to be fine being a gen or two behind Troy, but we're going to try something very, very different. We also don't have the Wii U, so maybe there's
2: pros and cons uh, with letting Nintendo be Nintendo. That was their sometimes. hubris, was their hubris and, and, and the marketing. And, and hubris and the, and the market and economics is a really good balance of, of it, right? You know, like when it comes down to it, if you open it up and you make more sales, you know, and then, you know, more people have access to games, then, then, then great, you know, but uh, you know, I, I think a lot of the the pushback on it is it's just the aspect of change because this would be a, a a new era. Like when you start to break up, like the golden era of video games, or when this happened and when this happened, this would be and into the future an unknown. But it's not an unknown that I'm worried about because that's just my world philosophy. Like I I couldn't stop Microsoft from buying Nintendo if I wanted to. I couldn't stop Sony from doing it. I couldn't like I would I would just be a bystander. And I would just be, you know, rooting and hoping and and pushing the conversation, in my view, to be like, well, let's let's tell them our demands. Yeah, You know, This is what this is. What it, this is and, and then get that understanding, because there's in my also view is that there's a, a huge education gap when these conversations come up. People think you can't buy a Japanese company. That's not true. You can. Uh, there's just
0: additional challenges if you're not also a Japanese company.
2: Correct. And it's like, okay, so here are these hurdles here. What does this look like? And honestly, like, that's why I'd say like the thing to do would be let Nintendo just be Nintendo and do Nintendo things. But then all of a sudden Nintendo games are in more places and, and you, the gamer can choose what, where, where, what works better for you, which in my mind is customer focused. It's, it's end user focused and not pro company. It's pro user, but it is a complicated issue because again, you take nintendo off the table and in, and i like nintendo being a wild card out there so if, my, if microsoft were to do this and take nintendo off the table it'd be a loss for everybody and when people push back against it they're they're operating off the same coin that i am i'm just on you know hey things could go well because i'm an optimist and they're operating off the things could go poorly and and neither of us are right or wrong in my opinion
0: yeah, I just I feel like the console uh, innovation is an easy one to point out. Like, why would Microsoft want Nintendo making any type of console unless it was specifically dedicated to a space they had no current plans uh, to get into and thought, yeah, that is a space we wouldn't mind getting into since you already have something cooking. But I think, yeah. you, Troy, you can even take that to the game level, right? Like, if Microsoft owns Nintendo, there is literally zero reason at this point for Microsoft to invest heavily into platformers, right? Why? We own Nintendo, let them do their Mario thing and their platformers, and maybe we put out a couple other platformers, but we certainly aren't going to invest in platformers the way we do today, knowing that we have to compete with Mario. Now we don't have to compete with Mario. Like, is that a little further off down the line? Is that a little more nebulous than why make a switch if, you, if you're owned by Xbox? Yes, I will readily agree to that. But I think it does start to open those discussions of, well, why, if I owned Sony, why would I make a a competitor to Uncharted anymore? Because I own Uncharted. You know, Microsoft owns Bethesda. I don't think you're going to see Microsoft putting huge dollar amounts into open world RPGs the way they maybe have in the past because now they own Elder Scrolls. They don't need to. They don't need to do that. They don't have to compete with Elder Scrolls or at least offer alternatives to that product. I'm not saying you'll see the disappearing of Microsoft-sponsored RPGs and open-world RPGs totally, but it does, I think, cause them to start thinking about why would we invest in A, we already have Elder Scrolls, B, sure, let's go ahead and invest in B, and again, you start to see a trickle of less titles in certain areas less innovation in certain areas because we don't have to compete with that big dog game or that big game ip to brian's point earlier Troy is stunned into silence
1: <laughs> it's just a it, it is an interesting you know thought exercise to to, to look at it look at everything and and because there, there, there would be, you know, some positives it's like, like you know, seeing Nintendo games on Game Pass, things like that. But there's also some negatives because uh, despite what Chad says, innovation is a big part of the industry and does make a huge difference in, in things moving forward. And that's that's a good thing for the consumers as well. Uh, software is always trying to catch up to hardware. Hardware is always trying to catch up to software. You know, it's, it's a circle that always innovates and always gets better for us. So you know, going forward, you know, seeing seeing games and and non competing against each other anymore because you own this or own that, uh, you know, that would be one of the possible negatives of of such an outcome. Of you know, we're not we're not creating new ideas, new innovative things, new different things because we own said thing and we're just going to let them do that. Then all of a sudden, you might be losing out on what might have been the next big thing.
0: Yeah, it's certainly an interesting thought experiment. I mean, all three of us agree, put all your games on all platforms, that's perfect. That's that's the way we want the world to be and that would be tremendous. Uh I'm not sure I'm on board with feeling all optimistic about one of the big 3 uh buying another big 3, Brian. I'll let you carry the optimism on that side. I just kind of have the pessimism of the yeah. looking at corporate structures and yeah, I mean there's there's certain benefits that the consumer would just by proxy pickup in such an acquisition, but the acquisition wouldn't be made specifically because it's better for its customers. It would be better for its money. Let us know how you feel about it in the comments below. I feel like this might come back when it's time for our question of the week down below.
2: (laughs) I do have a question for you if you don't mind. Go for it. So you brought up the competition to Mario, right? And you're like, Microsoft wouldn't need to make a Mario competitor what's Mario's competitor in your in your mind like that's that's one of the core issues that it, when i look at no 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 oh. i
0: don't believe that microsoft has a valid competitor right now to mario i believe yeah. i i would to put a little more detail on that point it's microsoft spends x dollars right now on platformers whatever that dollar amount is and whether it's through their first party or third party self publishing deals whatever whatever deals they're doing they uh, do put in because there is that, you know, we can't not have platformers on our system. That would be terrible because then nobody would buy them. They would just say, I like platformers. There's no reason for me to buy an Xbox. They don't have any good, bad, indifferent, tons of them, little bits of them. If they pick up Mario, the the games that they create in the platforming space now become very much under the microscope. Which ones of these are going to be worth it or not now that we own Mario and we can just throw Mario on the Xbox?
2: yeah that's a good point um yeah like i still feel like there is no real competitor that they have so mario and himself like yeah 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 and alone so like their their investment isn't what it should be in order to try and go toe to toe because well
0: ironically they
2: now also own spyro and crash bandicoot so (laughs) yeah (laughs) this is the thing that frustrates me so much that it's like Where's the banjo kazooie? Because it's like they could release a banjo, (laughs) and have that. It it wouldn't be like a one to one to Mario Odyssey, but it would be still something that I think would be exciting to see. And so there's a lot of IP that's just same thing with Embracer. Just these companies just sitting on all this like IP, and I'm just like, well, you know, I guess some of it's just gonna.
0: Embracer's got to be really careful right now. They got a couple house fires going on. (laughs) As far as
2: they, they grew too fast, and and all of a sudden they realized. It wasn't going to be easy.
0: Losing a $2 billion deal the day before you had to go to your financial report, that was—that that is uh, ripple effects that we are still seeing. Still seeing. Hey, uh, before we slide, slide over, do the weekly bombs, and finish up here, uh, Troy... And I, I don't know if you have, Brian, but have been checking out Warhaven a little bit. Troy's first look on Warhaven is going to go up on Monday. Want to give us some early impressions on the free-to-play PvP melee smash things with hammer? This is definitely a game for Troy game.
1: Yeah, definitely like smashing things with hammer and running around with the the mace and the shield. Uh, it, it's uh, it's better than I thought it was going to be for sure. As far as gameplay wise, I haven't dove into like the cash shop or anything like that yet. It's still very early on in the gameplay process. But Warhaven has been the you know the controls are better than I thought they would be. The the actual combat is better than I thought it would be. The the game matches themselves, while they do a piss poor job of explaining what's going on before they throw you into a match once you get a feel for what's going on, you know, there's it's capture points and push this or take that or blow up capture points. So it's it's been a lot of fun. It's it surprised me for sure. I didn't, I did, really didn't think it was going to be one that I was going to get into. Uh, I didn't think the combat was going to be there. I didn't think the gameplay was really going to be there. I was worried it was going to be way too generic. But there's there's actual fantasy elements in there. There's healers and, and creatures and things like that and dragons and, and a mix of the modern world. And the, the world is way more interesting than I thought it was going to be. So, you know, I'm, I'm definitely intrigued right now. We're going to dive into it a little deeper over the weekend and, and suss out some things and, and see where we land uh, on Monday.
0: Yeah, so if you want the whole review of getting involved in the game and its cash shop spoiler, you'll probably be fine with the cash shop season pass with a season pass that rewards in-game credits uh, for certain levels so that you can throw that extra change towards the next season pass if you want and then everything else being cosmetic. It's generally a pretty standard cash shop like you see for something like Rocket League or, or things like that, so you probably should be okay there. I don't know, Troy. I'm interested to hear what you say about combat. It's one of those games that in early playing, I do enjoy it but I feel like it's a marker too shy from being a really good game. Like, I think the, there's some combat tightening that needs put in there. Some things don't feel as impactful as I would expect them to, and then yeah. other things blast somebody's head off, and you're like, okay, sure, why not? We'll we'll stay tuned for your opinion. Have you played it all, Brian?
2: I, I have not played it at all, but cool. uh, I'll be looking forward to the review. And, you know, I'm all, like the, my problem with gaming is isn't, you know like you know the money at the moment it's it's just having the time to try I and play
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: like you're talking about like I'm still playing like starfield I haven't finished Final vc 16 uh, you know like uh cyberpunk the 2.0 update just dropped and I played the, some of that last night and that's being really well received war like war uh warframe and uh and then I've also been playing the first descendant you know uh closed beta you know thing that they have and I was like this is it's been fun i've been having tons of fun this year has been incredible for video games it's also been very like toxic online but that's that's the internet for you keep
1: hearing positive things about first yeah i've been hearing a lot of good things about that
2: obviously like one of the problems with with the first descendant as a conversation is that like what what it will truly be judged on is how is it as a service does it feel like you got to go to the cash shop to have fun and we you can't know that until it becomes known However, I feel like the gameplay loop, the overall cutscenes and the experience it feels it feels really fun to play and I hope that they don't screw it up and from what I've experienced uh you know they, they haven't yet but I still got you know we still got a little time. <laughs> we'll see it is Nexion so you never know. <laughs> why is Colonel Sanders using
0: triple cast? because he's a black mage according to uh, KFC's Twitter account overseas. We might be seeing the old KFC Final Fantasy XIV crossover and seeing the colonel somewhere in the game. Whether this actually comes to fruition or not in-game, we'll see, but hide your chocobos uh, because putting 11 herbs and spices on those bird legs is going to lead to some deliciousness, Troy.
1: (laughs) In WTF news today, Colonel Sanders in Final Fantasy XIV uh, oh man. Let's slide over and do the weekly bombs.
0: <music> weekly bombs. Dub bomb for something good, a bomb for something bad in the world of gaming or just life in general. I'm going to go first. I got to give an a bomb to the Elder Scrolls Online. <sighs> A couple shows ago, we talked about them disabling gifting from their crown store and the impact that makes for guilds and specifically trading guilds and the in-game community that likes to do things by giving away DLCs or cosmetics from the cash shop and being able to do that through the guild or the crown store's gifting. They prov- uh, that was disabled due to you know nefarious actors. And we reported on that. And I think we talked about that, Troy, like two or three weeks ago. This week, there's an update that really just reiterates what they did to turn the system off and why. And that they're, we hear that you're upset. We're working on solutions. So it was a, uh, Hey, we've got news.
1: There's no news.
0: A <laughs> bomb. The Elder scrolls online. Go ahead, Troy. What do you got?
1: Uh, I'm going to give a dub on to the new world team. I think they've been doing a fantastic job with communication here lately especially with the expansion stuff i think they've been answering questions uh, i love the way they they never sugarcoat the questions they don't like paraphrase the questions they they take them as they come in uh, as, as rough and as obnoxious as they can be sometimes and i think they've done a fantastic job answering questions getting information out there uh I had an interview with scott lane this past week that'll go out next week uh looking forward to that but uh i had like going into that interview i had like two or three pages worth of questions and they all started getting answered one by one uh, as more videos and stuff come out from new world and i was like bro my interview you're running my interview (laughs) come on let me have have a scoop like give me something here what do you got (laughs) brian
2: uh you know i don't i don't know um you know i'm excited for the new world expansion i think that the team has been doing a great job their communication and their delivery uh is exactly what i would kind of expect from a games a service and honestly i think what a, one of the things that excites me more than anything else is that when we look at their 10-year plan and we look at the lord of the rings as an mmo both as an established ip but also by this time you'll have a very disciplined and well-organized team that is a enhancing the engine that that is being built on. Uh, I think that's going to mean very good things both for New World and for uh, and, and for the whatever's to come next out of that out of that studio and that team. So there you go, um, two dub bombs for New World and one A bomb for the Elder Scrolls
0: Online from the viewers on uh, YouTube and on MMOBOMB.com. Robert Stojanowski saying the bomb to the One Piece live action adaptation. While everyone was expecting another dumpster fire, yes, they were expecting that. The involvement of the creator and people who love the source material turns out to be good and loved by many. I I know early impressions were kind of, uh, but yeah, it really, it really picked up steam. It really picked up steam. So good on that. Go ahead, Troy.
1: Uh, Breckner says the bomb for anyone using AI to expedite the process of making games. Sure, it's going to lead to some job losses, but people will eventually realize that means we can get more smaller gaming studios to produce more games instead. They won't work for EA or Ubisoft, but for new studios, their jobs aren't going away. They're being spread out.
0: Interesting take. We talked about AI and the the potential impact to jobs in games. That's uh, kind of an interesting take. I mean, maybe it's more Brian's optimistic type of take uh, than than some, but who knows? Brian, what's yeah
2: i mean like to to build off that if you know these tools allow making games so much easier it democratizes kind of the the publishers more and so then you're looking at actually more of a collapse on the bigger publishers who are going to struggle because they have so much overhead cost and if this was the rise of new indies that's where we're seeing all the innovation i mean that's even from the leaks themselves Uh, it's like the innovations coming from indies these smaller companies that are able to be more flexible and and make fun crazy things because the AAA's have so much overhead they can't risk it and uh and in, in itself a uh, raggator rag raggerty hopefully i'm pronouncing them right uh says a bomb to uh, sag striking video game companies i'm really tired of hearing the same voices over and over again uh, and everything. They got some uh, game time for WoW, so I'm putting around doing the story and the X-Packs I've missed, and hear the voice sounds very familiar. Oh, if it's a character from Overwatch, cool, and that is how I can, uh, that's all I can hear now. On a side note, I am a passive player in GT Online, and I don't mess with, uh, don't mess with me, and I don't mess with you. Want to help? Ask, and I'll help if I see something, uh, selling something, and a griefer uh, is harassing them, and I'm in the area, I'll help you out.
0: Oh, so one of the nice ones in GTA 6. One of the nice, or GTA 5. Sorry, oh God, no, I didn't, GTA 6, it was a mistake. I swear to God, I didn't mean to say it. I'm going to start taking
2: <laughs> the mic from you. Yeah. GTA.
0: Everybody's in, uh, what do you, what, what, Raggedy? You don't want Nolan North voicing everything? I don't get it. Uh, Terminus Tartarus says, A-bomb for Unity. I mean, they're backtracking now, but as I tweeted from the uh, MMO bomb account to Jeff Keeley, who was like, let's see the backtrack. I was like, you don't need to. <laughs> if it lets people finish existing projects under the current terms of their deal cool finish your projects this company has already proven you should not renew with them right now you should not uh, but uh, so yeah they're backtracking imagine that i don't think i have to elaborate on that another a-bomb to magic mike uh-oh what am i getting an a-bomb here for uh for calling monster hunter dragon hunter yeah i did i i realized yeah, after the fact uh, as punishment, I'll make personally sure that your name will be Midget Mike in the Monster Hunter community. You know what? I can't even be upset. Like, I did it to myself, right? There's consequences to actions, Troy. Go ahead. Take the next
1: one. Smasher <laughs> uh, 23 says, I want to counter Troy's statement about AI and real people. Right now, we get game after game that are pure trash. All of them made by people, not AI. <laughs>
0: I mean, <laughs> neat thought. But AI is programmed off of learning models that are absorbing information from human behavior. So if you yeah. think the human games are trash, just wait until the AI-only games build you games based off knowledge they learned from human trash game creation. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I,
1: don't think, I don't think more games equals better games. I think we just need better games. Uh, question of the week last
0: week. Will, do you think EA can do free-to-play Sims decent monetization? For the next one. <laughs> why or why not? <laughs> Brian <is> boof. <laughs> boof. Uh, Nuno Silva says, I'm guessing being homeless will be the top activity in the new Sims unless you pay up.
1: <laughs> it may be, Troy. Finish oh, it off. Sounds up. about right. Robert Stojanowski, question of the week: EA will most definitely make Sims Five the most some terrible monetization model. Some kind of subscription, probably. The worst thing they can monetize is high-paying jobs or passive income. If you want your sim to escape their nine-to-five, you better pay. You better warm up that credit card. Yeah, don't go- all have a credit card,
0: right? <laughs> don't go get a better job for yourself in real life, Troy, because you'd like more money. Just make sure you give EA money so that your sim lives a better life. (laughs) That's that's right. (laughs) Priorities,
1: baby, priorities.
0: (laughs) Question of the week this week Would Microsoft buying Nintendo be a good thing for gaming and gamers as a whole? And if one of the big three had to buy another, which one do you think it should be? Who's buying whom? Let us know in the comments below. Don't forget your weekly bombs Dub Bomb for something good, A Bomb for something bad in the world of gaming or just life in general. And until next time, Brian, thank you so much for hanging out with us today, chiming in on all these things. Where can all these bad boys and girls follow you?
2: The best place probably is going to be on YouTube. I get a little ranty on Twitter, so it's like if you guys, uh, you know, it's like, (laughs) <laughs> Twitter's just such a fun, chaotic place. The, uh, But yeah, YouTube, you just search Ginger Prime Gaming, uh, or you can just add Ginger Prime Gaming, and it's going to be the channel that pops up. And from there, if you're ever curious, I cover a lot of different games. I have a lot of different channels that like talking about games, and so uh, you can kind of follow the rabbit hole from there to find whatever you like. If you enjoy the content, it's great. And if not, no worries. Just go find something to make your day better. Yeah, you got all New World stuff. You got Throne and Liberty
0: stuff. You got Blue Protocol Blue Pro- stuff. You you uh, trash Final Fantasy fourteen occasionally. I hear.
2: I hear that's the rumor that. <laughs> I didn't say I trash it at all. I call it what it is, and it's that. Hey, like if Yoshi P once, and like I stepped away, focusing on family, health, comedy, and uh, playing New World, and the game's going back to New World, which is going to go to the New World. I thought that was hilarious. Um, but yeah, I'm on a journey to lose hundred pounds. I'm uh forty pounds down as a, as this as we were talking right now. Congrats. Thank you. And I still got a lot to go and my health is more important than than playing any other game. But as Yoshi P's designed the game, he's designed it to play at the expansion, play the expansion and take a break. And I'm following his advice, you know, like I'm not going to be mad at a game because it doesn't do all the MMO things that I want it to do. I'll just go play an MMO that, you know, does those things. And when, you know, Final Fantasy has a story, you know, that I want to jump back in on assuming that I hit my goal weight then I'll be I'll be playing 7.0 otherwise I'll, I'll wait until I hit my my official uh, you know weight at that at that point before I uh, step back into any uh, story driven MMO good luck on that sir you are doing great congrats keep it up Troy where can everybody
0: find you
1: uh, whether it's on Twitter or YouTube or twitch wherever your socials are uh, I'm at NoobFridge. fridge.
0: I'm Mike Byrne, you can follow me personally right there at MagicMan1, but obviously follow at MMOBOMB so you'll know every time we go live with a stream, hanging out, playing a game, news, articles, first look videos, giveaways, and more. Stay safe, we'll see you on the servers.